You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the After Chat. I hope all you After Chatters had a happy Passover and a happy Easter, and it's great to be back. Usually, you know, we're After Chatting once a week. And now, by the way, you can see live After Chatting, well, live taped After Chatting, on Roku. If you have a Roku device and you search Jarrett Parsons Wrestling, Jarrett as in Jerry Jarrett, yeah, not Jeff Jarrett. Well, yes, same last name, Jarrett Parsons Wrestling, and uh, do a search for the Bill Apter show on Roku. Uh, It's up there right now. Episode two is up there right now, actually, and uh, my good friend Mac Davis joins me with complete video coverage from everything that we did on WrestleMania weekend. I want to thank everyone out there who was so kind to come over to me at WrestleCon and uh, say how much my career has meant to them, uh, people who uh, purchased my books, people who came from all over the world. I was in uh, Singapore, Bangladesh, Scotland, England, uh, Italy, uh, China, Japan, New York City, <laughs> yes, good old USA, Canada, so many people. Thank you all so very, very much. I'm really flattered. And as you know, you can follow me at After One Wrestling and find out where my next few personal appearances are going. So today, I'm taping this on uh, April 24th. And last year, in the month of April, on 2018, we lost one of the greatest pro wrestlers and greatest human beings I have ever known in my life. And that was Bruno Sammartino. He was an excellent champion. He was an excellent human being. And when Bruno Sammartino was your friend, you could always trust him to do whatever you needed. Many, many times I was stuck back in the magazine days where I needed a quote or a a photo of Bruno, and he always obliged that, you know, come see me and we'll do the photograph or uh, give me a phone call and we'll do the interview. He was always willing to do that. So a lot of people have asked me in the past, when did I first meet Bruno Sammartino? Well, that's a great question, and I, I've never answered that. And it's not even in my book, Is Wrestling Fixed? I didn't know it was broken. Still available on Amazon, and so is the audio version. But I was doing a radio show in New York in the early 60s. And on this, it was called Billy's Place. And I was a big wrestling fan, and I'd gotten some wrestling tickets to go down to my local arena in Queens, Sunnyside Garden in Sunnyside, uh, Queens, right near Astoria and um, Maspeth, where I grew up. Unless you live there, you say Maspeth, (laughs) and I miss Maspeth or Maspeth. Um, And I got some press tickets from a a gentleman named Oscar Keneal. He was the promoter for Vince McMahon Sr., along with Mike Rosenberg, who I used to call Irish Mike Rosenberg at Sunnyside Garden. And no one could understand Oscar. Oscar was from Argentina. And you'd call Oscar and say, uh, Oscar, can I get a press ticket for the uh, matches, the wrestling matches or the boxing matches? Oscar would go, oh, you come see me. You had to figure out uh, what he said. But he, Oscar was always very gracious to me, and so was Irish Mike Rosenberg. I don't know whatever happened to Irish Mike Rosenberg, if he's uh, still still around. or uh, Well, he'd probably be ooh, 90 by now. So if you're out there listening to this, 
uh, at After One Wrestling. You can get me on uh, Twitter or at beafteronewrestling.com on uh, on my email or hit me up on Facebook. Yeah, I'm Bill After on Facebook. Anyway, so I was doing a radio show in New York and I wanted to get an interview with some of the wrestlers and Bruno was going to be on that show. So I went down to the dressing room and first time I had been in the dressing room in Sunnyside Garden, the place where I grew up watching wrestling. And uh, Gorilla Monsoon greeted me and brought me over to Bruno. And I did about a 15-minute interview with Bruno for my Billy's Place show. And I remember the last question, that I, I, it was a statement, not a question, that I said to Bruno was, you know, Bruno, I'm not a big guy, but I think I could take you. And he paused for a minute and he said, you think you can take me where? To the movies, to dinner, where do you want to go? So uh, it was right then and there that I found out he had a great, uh, a great sense of humor. And I did ask him his wrestling fix. He did not tell me it was broken, but he went on to show me uh, all the bodily injuries that he had had since the beginning of his career. Through the years, Bruno and I got to know each other very well in the, uh, in the realm of the business that I did as a reporter for Inside Wrestling and The Wrestler and eventually PWI and all the other magazines of the GC London Publishing family. And one of my favorite things about Bruno was doing interviews with him. I had an old cassette recorder. If you're younger than... 18 and not sure what that is just google it look at a picture of it and an audio cassette and I would bring them to every show I was there when Bruno lost the title to Ivan Koloff and interviewed him uh, I was there at the hospital after Stan Hansen broke Bruno's neck and did an exclusive interview with him there's one interview though that I did for the magazines that were printed but the, the audio tape has never been heard so I figured maybe today on this after chat, why don't I do some cuts from that particular uh, interview? I've got my cassette recorder right here. I'm not doing this digitally or anything. My cassette recorder is right next to me here. And we're going to start off where fans were asking questions of Bruno San Martino through the mail. Yeah, before there was email. And I asked Bruno, uh, who really didn't want the WWWF title back a second time. And he told me that many, many times after losing it, that he was very relieved. But now he had it back a second time. And I asked him how he felt about it. So let's go to this question. And we'll also run a couple more questions before we get to a very special guest that I have here in Actors Alley today. All right. Well, um, it was playing a moment ago. So let's hit the, oh, I had it on the rewind button. All right, hold on. Hang on here. I had it on the rewind button. Yeah. Up here that they call fans in the East Coast. All right, hold on, hold on. This is a, a, fast, a fast forward moment here on my cassette recorder. So you're listening to, that's not Bruno. Well, that's someone else, but... Hold on a minute. This is, I don't edit these shows. These are like live shows. So I had to rewind it, so now I'm going the other way. All right, here we go. We got Bruno here. <coughs> All right, here we go. 
couple of months ago, or rather a couple of years ago, you said that you do not want the title. Now you got the title. Are you happy you won it? Well, I guess in a way I'm happy to have gotten it back, although as I told you at that time that I wasn't necessarily too interested in recapturing the title, but uh, but it came back in a very unusual way because before, I, you know, I went on a tour, a wrestling tour in Japan, and before I went to Japan I had signed a contract to meet Stan Stasiak. Stasiak at that time was not the champion, but while I was in Japan he defeated Pedro in Philadelphia, and so... Uh, they uh, automatically made the, the bout that I had signed with him as a title match, so uh, I didn't feel that it was very fair for me to just walk away from it, number one, and number two, I felt great, uh, you know, since I had originally lost the title, I had a chance to really recuperate from some of the old wounds, so to speak, which I had never had time before because of a such active schedule that I used to have, so now I felt real good again, and I, and I thought, what the heck, it's a great challenge to see if I can recapture this thing, and if I can, and then how long can I hold it, so I was lucky enough to recapture it, and I do feel great, and I'm still... Um, interested in the challenge I had to see how long I can hold it and the kind of opponents I'm going to be facing. All right, well, let me ask you this. You won the title approximately 10 years ago, okay? Now, is Bruno San Martino as good a wrestler, in his opinion, as he was when he first won the title from Buddy Rogers? Well, in all honesty, I'd like to believe, and I hope I'm not kidding myself, I'd like to believe that I'm a bit of a better wrestler because it, when I beat Rogers for the title, I'd only had been a pro for about two years, and certainly I like to think that I have had uh, much more experience in the years that went by, and uh, I like to think that uh, uh, I've gained much experience and I'm much more knowledgeable in the sport, so uh, I would like to think to myself that I'm better today than I was then. Okay, now, during the time when Pedro Morales was the champion, the two of you had a slight misunderstanding, and you wrestled Pedro out of that slight misunderstanding. Now that the two of you are on good terms, is there a chance that we might see another Bruno San Martino-Pedro Morales match? Well, I would like that for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, of course, as you know, it's the Worldwide Wrestling Federation who, who uh, decide as to who the, challenges, the proper challenges are. As far as my personal feelings for a match with Pedro, I'd welcome it for two reasons. Number one, because if he wants a return match at the title, I think he deserves to have one. Number two, uh, remembering my past match with him in September, uh, it gave me an opportunity to show the fans, and Pete, I'm sure, feels the same way, to show the fans what a good, clean, scientific match can be like. The do the fans like that kind of match for I like to think that they do, because the eight years that I had held the title, I never had that opportunity. I've always wrestled the, uh, these rough guys, you know, and I never had a, yeah, and I never had a chance to really uh, wrestle someone that 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 I was able, at least, to to uh, show what the sport is all about, as far as I'm concerned. And with Morales on that particular day, I felt that we gave the people one hour and 15 minutes of beautiful, clean uh, wrestling. And uh, so I. I would love the opportunity to uh, to uh, have a bout like that again, if possible. Enjoyed the so-called scientific bouts. And when he wrestled Pedro Morales at Shea Stadium, I was there shooting pictures at ringside. And it was an excellent match until that maniac, George the Animal Steel, tried to interfere. And uh, the match was stopped by the 11 o'clock New York State curfew. Yeah, you could not wrestle after 11 o'clock in New York State. But up until George the Animal Steel, hey, nice, ran in. Uh, well, he didn't really get into the ring. The, the police, thank goodness, the 
uh, the police at Shea Stadium were able to get him out of there, but the match did uh, wind up in a draw, and it was a, it was a classic match. The weather was lousy that night, and tons of fans, thousands, I don't remember, it was something like 22,000 fans or more showed up. I can't remember the exact uh, amount of fans, but it was an all-time classic. So many years ago, a book was written about Bruno Sammartino, and uh, it didn't really have a lot of wide distribution. Uh, it was done in what they call kayfabe style. And recently, uh, my good friend, the Big Cheese, Sal Corrente, got together with a, an entire team. And after working with Bruno for quite a long time, before Bruno passed, obviously, has updated this book. There are two versions, a black and white one and a color one. And I asked Sal to come down here to Actors Alley to tell us about this great book and how you can get a copy of it as well. Okay, Sal Corrente, welcome to the After Chat and all the After Chatters. Uh, there are so many After Chatters out there who were fans of uh, the legendary Bruno San Martino, and you've known. When did you first meet Bruno San Martino? Well, I, I met Bruno through Blackjack Brown on the Wrestling Gab line. Anybody who's been around a long time might remember Blackjack Brown was the host, and Bruno. Well, wait, wait, wait. Let's go back here. There are a lot of After Chatters here who have no idea what the gab line was okay how can you explain that well i mean blackjack brown was the host and you would dial into a 1-800 number and blackjack yeah. and bruno would be on the phone and at the time i was like a troubleshooting referee going to puerto rico for the anniversary shows and referee of the year and i'd done awa tvs and nwa tvs and blackjack would have me on and uh, Bruno really didn't know who I was, but he'd hear me talking to the fans. And Blackjack tells me later that eventually said, who is this other guy that is talking? And he explained who I was. And then Joel Goodhart, if you remember Joel Goodhart. Sure, he promoted wrestling in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia area. Right, and he was the first one to kind of bring matches from other territories. Jerry Lawler and Austin Idol was brought in. We brought in Paul Jones and the Junkyard Dog, who'd been on the big anniversary shows in Puerto Rico. And different different uh, feuds, he would try to bring them into the Northeast. Yeah, I remember. Well, he had the idea that he wanted David San Martino to wrestle Zabisco for the AWA heavyweight title. Um, Paulie Dangerously, who's now Paul Heyman, was going to manage Zabisco, and he really wanted Bruno to be in David's corner. So he reached out to me and said, can you convince Bruno to do this? So I did. And uh, that's when we met face-to-face, -face, was at that event. I was the referee for the match. What year are we talking about? Maybe? 1990. Okay. I'm um, bad with dates. That's why I Yeah, asked. 1990, I believe, was the date. And, uh, you know, at the time, Heyman had one of those big phones. You, you yes. Know, the huge, yes. That huge thing he used to have on TV. This and, is before cell phones, folks. Yeah, right. It was a, a big mobile, big white thing. Yes, with the, a mobile phone. And, right. um, and, and that was it. And from there, um, you know, uh, me and Bruno just got along pretty well. Um, I did lose touch with him at one point. Uh, Bob Raskin, uh, used to, people used to joke, maybe he was the only honest promoter around. Um, out of New Jersey, had been in contact with Bruno, and he gave me the, the new number after checking with Bruno. And from there, I just started representing him at events and stuff. Um, but I saw, I met him probably around 1989 um, through the Gab Line and Blackjack Brown. And then, uh, it, you know, after the Joel Goodhart event. 
uh, it just went forward from there. Okay, so the the main reason that I asked you to come on the podcast here is about the book, the Bruno San Martino book, that any wrestling fan or non-wrestling fan, because it's a great life lesson story, can pick this book up and thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, but this book is based upon the book that came out how long ago? Around 1990. Yeah. Um, it was released only in Pittsburgh. I think there were some book signings, Bruno and, and the original author did, um, but there was never a reprint done. And Bruno, Bruno always had concern for the fans. If no one had ever asked Bruno to come make a personal appearance or come sign an autograph anywhere, he would have been okay with that. Really? But what he wasn't okay with was people feeling that they had to go and, you know, they would go on eBay because the book was out of print and they'd have to spend $80, $90 for a copy of the book. And they had no problem telling him how disappointed they were they had to do that. Well, that bothered Bruno. And I'm just not the kind of guy, you tell it to me once, tell it to me twice, okay. But every time he came back, it was the same thing. I said, Bruno, let's try to do something about this. And uh, so I bought a couple of copies of the book off eBay like the fans were doing. Found a company in Raleigh, North Carolina to scan the book in page by page into a Word document. And then I had some guys, uh, Brian Thompson and Brian Trammell from out in the Midwest that I knew. I had been doing a blog with uh, Brian Trammell from when I was a little bit of time working in Memphis managing the Assassins. And uh, Brian Thompson was some uh, an editor. And we cleaned the book up for some yeah, extent. And it's yeah. been being sold since like 2008. But that was it. I added a couple of pages and a few pictures, and that was the end of it. The, the goal was that if people wanted to come see Bruno at an event, they could buy the book for the price of the book, right. not what somebody was trying to do making money off of it. And that goal was accomplished. Um, it wasn't until later than when Bruno would do some interviews. I said, geez, Bruno, I listened to the interview you did. You said this and you said that. And I said, I was surprised you did that. He said, Sal, what do you want me to do? He said, this is, you know, after a while, you'll just look foolish. And I said, well, then why don't we update the book? Okay, let's update the book. And, and that was it. And then we started working on it, but there was no rush. And I'm very sorry about that now. Um, because I just never imagined that Bruno wouldn't be here. Cause yeah, neither of us did. I don't think anybody did because Bruno, um, as we mentioned on, uh, on One Wrestling Video and on our Roku show, uh, Bruno was the type of guy who I thought would be there forever. Absolutely. And, you know, Bruno and I made a deal. Well, actually, you know, he gave me the consideration to say, I'm going to do one more appearance outside of Pittsburgh. You tell me when and where, wherever it is you want to go, whatever it is you want to do, we're going to do it. After that, I'm done. So I said, well, we'll wait till the book comes out. But there was still no hurry. And as you know, we did the appearance for Tommy Younger at the big event in New York. Um, and we weren't looking for that. Tommy came to us. Um, I said, well, we're not really interested. He came back again a few days later. But we're really not interested. He comes back a few days later. Finally, I talked to Bruno, and I said, look, he really wants us to do this. Um, I was really hoping to do it with the book. He said, then let's wait. And I said, well, maybe if it makes sense for us all financially, for him and for us, then we'll just go ahead and do it, and we'll worry about the book at another time. And he says, okay. So we talked to Tommy, and quite honestly, he said, well, that's not acceptable to us. I said, okay, not a problem. Well, we'll just wait. Three days later, he goes back, he says, we'll take it. So that's what we <laughs> what ended up doing, what and uh, and that was it. <laughs> but whoever thought, and quite honestly, the original book that had been on sale from 2008, not the original original, the one we did, I wrote a few pages and put in some more pictures. We did a, a, a signing um, up in Yonkers. Bruno's son was there, I was there. And uh, for High Spots, Michael Bacchicchio at highspots.com. Right. We signed 100 books for him. And then we went and did the appearance at the big event. And uh, that was it. And, you know, this book was done 
um, as far as the writing was concerned. Then I got Colin Bowman, who uh, people might know from WCW Magazine. He was the owner and editor of, of WCW yeah. Magazine. He was the perfect guy to help with this. Certainly was. But I had not really done anything. And then, um, because it was clear that Bruno was not doing well. And, uh, you know, I didn't know how bad it was, but I had pretty much stopped the writing. Yeah, I remember, you know, I told you that I used to call him all the time. And there was a time, this is a few months before he passed away, that he didn't call me back. And right. he always called me back. That's right. And then I remember you calling me and saying, uh, he's in the hospital. Um, you don't know if he's going to get back to me right away or whatever. And then I got that call from you early one morning. You said, Bruno's gone. And I couldn't, I just, I couldn't believe it. It was just like, Sal, I know you're not joking. What? Right now? Yeah. yeah. I know. And How I, did you find out? I got the call from Black Jack Brown. He said, is it, I was just out and about in, in Yon I was in Yonkers actually. Even Your though hometown. I live in South Florida, I was in my hometown. <laughs> Um, Blackjack called and said, is it true? I said, is what true? He said, did Bruno die? And I said, you know, Blackjack, I haven't heard, but I'm going to assume if you've heard that, yes, he has. So I texted his son and confirmed it. He re he responded back. And Which son? Daryl. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd meet, recently met Dad at the big event. Um, the truth is, you know, I didn't get to Pittsburgh much. Even though I travel the country on a regular basis, as you know, Pittsburgh is not one of my regular stops, which is kind of ironic because it's probably the town I would have wanted to go to a lot. Yeah. But it just was not a stop for me. So, but I had met Daryl, and he, like I said, he responded immediately. And uh, I called J.J. Dillon, who was extremely close to Bruno. And uh, I was talking to Davey O'Hannon, as I told you on the way over here. Some of the fans... The older time fans might remember Davey is working for the WWF and worked in a lot of other places. Actually, I guess the WWWF. Yeah. And uh, he said uh, that he had just got off the phone with Dominic Danucci and he wasn't comfortable with the way Dominic was speaking. And he and when JJ was talking to him, he said, "Look, I, I think something's wrong in Pittsburgh. I'm going to I'm going to call down there and I'll call you right back." And he said. JJ just kept trying to say, Davey, Davey. And, you know, Davey was concerned. And he just, finally, he said, JJ just said, listen, Bruno died. Sal called a little oh, while ago. And he said, I just told him I, I, I got to go. And he got off. Yeah, and that was, that was that uh, was last April. Uh, April 18th. 2018. And I have a video that I have to find because I never ran it. Uh, talking to Dominic Danucci about losing Bruno when Dominic went to Legends of the Ring just a few weeks uh, after, in June, actually, when that happened. So I have to find that and look. But Dominic and Bruno were so very close. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, to be honest with you, when I saw Bruno down there, I mean, I'm sorry, when I saw Dominic at Bruno's funeral, he was... Um, he didn't seem to be right. Like, to be You know, look, I've known Dominic a long time. I wrestled Dominic, and he walked... So Dominic um, had been doing an interview outside the funeral home with CBS, and when he came in, he was just kind of looking at me like with a, a blank look on his face. And, you know, I said, Dominic, it's Sal. I mean, I've wrestled this guy. I've known him for years, and uh, he just seemed to be completely out of it. And I don't know that we were in any good place ourselves, J.J., Davey, and myself. And, and not everybody does well at these type of things, and, um, you, you know, they handle it differently. But when I got there... Um, Carol, Bruno's wife, one of the first things she asked me was, what about the book? And I said, well, Carol, to be honest with you, I kind of just stopped because there was, you know, I didn't know what direction we were going in here. It was clear there was a problem. And uh, she said, well, I think Bruno would want you to finish the book, don't you? 
And I said, well, yes, ma'am, but I didn't think it was my, my place to, to determine that. And uh, that was it. And we were just been in go mode since then. I, when I was able to bring Colin on board, um, he really did a tremendous job. Um, and he was the perfect guy for this. Uh, he, re he really was. So um, where can people find the book, of course? Well, the book is available on Amazon. It's also available at highspots.com. The black and white version is available at highspots.com. The black and white and the color version are available on amazon.com. So now. there's two different versions of it. Two different versions. Same text. S right. Same same everything, right. except one has about 275 color pictures in it. The other one has 400 pictures. Um, well, they both have 400 pictures, but one is just all the pictures are in black and white. The other one has color pictures. Everyone who's bought the color book says that it's well worth the money. If you're a true wrestling fan, great. If you're the person who just wants to read this amazing story about a man who cheated death multiple times, especially oh. as a child, became a champion inside the ring, but was really a champion outside the ring. And I think some of the wrestler tributes and some of the tributes written by other folks that knew Bruno, there's a gentleman named Mike Miggett who I actually introduced to Bruno through a luncheon. They became extremely close. Um, you know, he, he wrote some stuff. Larry Rickard, radio personality from uh, Pittsburgh who works at KDKA 1020, is one of the oldest, I think he said the oldest commercial radio station in the country, very close to Bruno. When you read the things that these guys wrote, you see the quality of human being that Bruno was. Those of us who knew him in the ring and out of the ring, it's almost hard to describe um, who he was as just a human being, but he was a class act all the way. He treated everybody like they were a champion unless somebody gave him cause, um, you know, not to. He, he gave everybody the ultimate respect. And, you know, one of the last things I remember is when we, we were in Yonkers and uh, we were going to go do the big event. You know, Bruno would always say, Sal, I've been off television for 30 years. We weren't in the hotel lobby five minutes and not near the event. We're in Yonkers. The event was in Queens. Yeah. And some kid, maybe 17, 18, sir, excuse me, aren't you Bruno San Martino? Yeah. Bruno, you just can't get away from it. You know, between YouTube, the WWE Network, and all of these things, there's no such thing. Listen, I'm not off TV. You, you know what I mean? For the little TV that I've done, the refereeing and the between YouTube, you know, these crazy, some of these crazy matches that I yeah, participated in. Yeah, you can be a star in. 40 years later. That's that's right. You really can. You know, who knew in those days that some of these it. things would be I on forever? It. Thank you so much, Sal. And right now, after chat, and where can people find you on social media if they want to get in touch with you directly? Well, on Facebook, it's uh, Sal Anthony Carrenti. And, uh, you know, I have a cousin, Sal Carrenti, and he's also an author. He writes children's books. So so I put my whole name in there, Sal Anthony Carrenti, to be um, to be separate. And um, on uh, Twitter, Sal Carrenti, I'm, I'm out there. And Instagram, same thing, um, you, you know, uh, Sal Carrenti. Um, I'm not in hiding. I'm okay. out there. We, we, we found you, and I'm, uh, you're my pal, Sal. My pal, Sal, is a chapter in my book, Is Wrestling Fixed? I didn't know it was broken. And you can get that on Amazon. <laughs> Thank you, Sal. I appreciate that. And right now, after Chatters, let's listen to several classic interviews that I did with Bruno Sammartino way back when. Bruno, you're speaking that you mostly had a chance only to wrestle rule breakers. Recently in Detroit, Bruiser, along with what we hear, your hell busted Ernie Ladd's leg. What was responsible for this? Why'd you do it? Well, I didn't do it. <laughs> I, uh, you we... held Bruiser's, uh, Ladd's leg down, but you as Bruiser came off the top rope. And well, yes, I did. First of all, I'll tell you why. Number one, the uh, Ladd, prior to this incident, had uh, conked me on the head with a chair, which mm -hmm. he had put a pretty good 
flash in the back of my head. And then when uh, Bruiser was in there with him, he had let down somehow. And he asked me if I would hold his leg true. And I did it, I think, more out of anger than anything else, because as far as I was concerned, just a few minutes prior to this, as far as I was concerned, let it actually try to crack my skull open. I certainly didn't give a hoot about what was about to happen to him. I mean, I was, it was at a... I was very angry, and it was just one of those moments where I was bitterly angry, and I just didn't care. And so, unfortunately for him, he did hurt himself pretty bad. Okay, Bruno, Haystack's Calhoun has told us about the time that you lifted him up. He says he didn't put any resistance up, that he, if he had put any resistance up, you possibly might not have been able to lift him. What's your opinion on this? Well, my opinion on that is, I'm, number one, I'm disappointed that Haystack would say that, because uh, if he put no resistance, then what was he allowing himself to be lifted up and facing an unknown as to what I would have done with him, which I, I can't buy that. But I'm glad you mentioned that, because I've gotten some mail from people saying that, how can they say that I'm the only guy lifted Calhoun when they know it's a matter of fact that he's been lifted by other guys? But there's one thing that I do resent about that, because as far as I was concerned, I was the first who lifted Calhoun. But what has been unfairly about this is that when I lifted Calhoun, he actually weighed better than 600 pounds. I resent the fact that they still announced the man at 600 pounds when I know that because of a bit of a sugar problem that he has, his actual weight today is around 425 pounds. Mm -hmm. So that when he's being lifted nowadays, they're giving him credit as saying that San Martino's the only one that lifted him. But I lifted him when he was over 600 pounds. So I think that, that the writers, even like yourself, should at least specify this. Okay. And that, uh, that Calhoun, that's right, Calhoun has been lifted recently, but today he's not much heavier than people like Monsoon or... Uh, you know, okay. a few others. Bruno, one more question. Do you have any gripes about the sport? Any gripes? No. The only, well, if you want to call it a gripe, I think that wrestling is a great game. I think we go in that ring and, and we uh, try to uh, give as good a match to the public as we possibly can. I would, I'd like to think, too, that I wish that we had uh, more uh, scientific wrestlers coming into the game and that the likes of some of these wrestlers would be eliminated uh, with their tactics, uh, that they would get a little more strict as far as the tactics of the wrestler because I think that wrestling could be all around a better sport if we were able to execute the kind of wrestling that the sport really is, what it's right. all about, which is uh, uh, speed, uh, scientific strength, it's, yeah, rather than the sheep type objects, stuff right. where he's getting pencils and pens and ridiculous uh, stuff like that. I think that this is degrading to the sport, and naturally anything that degrades the sport hurts me because I love the game. Okay, great. Bruno, thank you very much. So one of the uh, uh, the things that you'll read in the book, the book is uh, a very comprehensive book, and uh, it tells you all about Bruno's life. And the book is not just for wrestling fans. It's just a great human interest story for anyone. Now, Many, many years ago, and I've never released this, um, I did a complete audio tape biography of Bruno San Martino, an interview with him, a sit-down interview. Well, actually, we stood up. No, we sat down. And because of this wonderful special that we're doing on Bruno this week, I thought that I would play some of this for you people. And um, I asked him how he got, when he moved to Pittsburgh, how he got involved in professional wrestling. But again, the complete story of Bruno's whole life is in the book that you can get on Amazon. So right now, let's take a listen to the interview I did with Bruno many years ago about when he arrived in Pittsburgh, how he got interested in pro wrestling. Get, uh, you're living in Pittsburgh. What, 
was it that uh, brought you basically into getting interested in wrestling, Bruno? Well, wrestling I was always interested in, but now that I start training again... Have you seen wrestling when, you know, in Italy and well, when you first came over here? I in Italy. I only knew of this man, you know. But when I come over here, right away, I started, uh, uh, you know, uh, a neighbor of ours, because we, we couldn't afford it, stop, but a neighbor of ours had gotten a TV, and so I, st I started watching it on TV. And at the same time, uh, and I'm training, as I said, so what I was doing... I had gone to language school when I was in high school, and uh, what I was doing was the wrestling coach up at, uh, not we had no wrestling coach, I beg your pardon, our gym teacher at my school, uh, when we had gym period, whatever we'd be playing basketball, I'm always getting kids to come on the mat to work out with me. Yeah, so he said to me, he says, gee, he says, you like to wrestle so much, we don't have no wrestling here. He says, my friend is coaching up at Pitt, he says, how would you like to go? over there. So all the years I was in high school, after school, I would go up at uh, Pitt and I would train over there with the, uh, with the team. So I was, I was uh, working out with the team, but then besides this, I was getting bigger and stronger and I was, I was started, I started competing in the Olympic lifting and then power lifting. And then the uh, YMCA and a YMHA and a, boy, a boys club in a place called Lawrenceville had started uh, wrestling teams. So I joined the one at the Y. So now I was uh, still going up at Pitt to work out with the Pitt wrestlers. And then I would Plus. work out with the weights. And then I would work, be, be at the team at the uh, Y, the organized wrestling team. So I had a seven-day week schedule where I would wrestle and I would weight lift. I would wrestle at at least at least five days a week and you know if, and, and and work out with the weights either before or after mm -hmm. the other days i wasn't working out with the weights i would spend that much more time just at the mat you know wrestling okay now uh let's work the transition uh into professional wrestling <laughs> now, were you in the air force before you got into professional wrestling yes did you join the air force yes okay and for any particular reason well, I felt that I was at an age where I was going to be drafted. I felt that I would, would not be able to get a job. That's right. You can't be drafted into the Air Force. Go ahead. Yeah. And I, I felt I was going to be drafted, number one. Number two, I, I know I wasn't going to be able to get a job till I got drafted, till I got the Army out of the way. Because in those, at that time, any time you wanted to get a job, have you been in the service yet? Well, right. if you hadn't been in the service so you enlisted. Yet, forget it. So I enlisted in the Air Force. And one of the reasons why I enlisted in the Air Force was because I knew a good friend of mine, Fred DeLuca, who, who was a, had been training with me, who had joined the Air Force, and he told me that the, they had time, tremendous time to train, and, and he was competing while he was in there. So I thought, hey, I better join this before I get drafted into So that, that's just a little teaser of my audio tape, but the entire book has the entire life story of Bruno San Martino. The, the horror of uh, the days uh, running, hiding from the Nazis, uh, the the time he was a 90-pound weakling to the time his life changed when he beat Nature Boy Buddy Rogers and became the uh, WWF champion, uh, the, his family, uh, the angst of the wrestling world when uh, the unbeatable Bruno San Martino lost to Ivan Koloff, and of course, um, I still can't believe he's gone. Because I used to talk to Bruno very often. One of the saddest things in my life was that when he died, because of uh, personal reasons, I was not able to go 
to the funeral home. And uh, to this day, um, I still regret it. I did call his wife and spoke to his sons, etc. But uh, it's something I will always say I wish I could have gone there. But there was a personal matter that prevented me from getting there that week. But I, I loved Bruno San Martino very much. I always will. He was, again, one of the, he was the paragon of champions and human beings. Um, I miss him dearly. Okay, so that's, uh, that's it for this after chat. Hey, let me know how you like this, because uh, what we can do down the road is maybe suggest some specials that we can do here. I have a, tons of uh, audio tapes that we can include and guests that could come on and talk with uh, some of the people that knew some of the greats of all time. And again, I'm at After One Wrestling on Twitter. That's the number one, not the uh, word. You can also uh, read me on uh, OneWrestling.com. And all the videos that I've done are stored on OneWrestlingVideo.com. And don't forget to check out my new Roku show on the Jarrett Parsons Network. In terms of uh, things coming up, um, I will be... Let me see. In uh, uh, I will be inducted into the New England, um, the, into the New England uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, June seventh and eighth. Just go to uh, uh, go to Google and put in uh, Bill After to be inducted into the uh, New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Uh, I will be at Starcast. I will be hosting the Rocket City. Um, pro Wrestling Fan Fest and lots uh, lots more bookings coming up uh, and I can't wait to meet all of you great fans. For Bill Apter, that's me and the Apter Chat, I'll see you at the matches.